0: For the last uh, couple of weeks, we've been doing a series here at Village Green called "Unforgettable Encounters." And what's been significant about the series is we we've talked about that there's always a moment that happens, you know, for a number of reasons that changes every other moment in your life. Okay, and we have a number of these moments in the Bible—a moment, um, you know, where. Where that particular moment, God does something incredible. And from that moment on, it becomes a dramatic movement of God. And you know yourselves that you have moments in your life that just changes everything. And what, uh, oh, the kids want to stick around, don't they? (laughs) We're having one of those moments. (laughs) Bye, guys. See you later. The the second exodus is just about to happen. <laughs> By the way, again, congratulations to the Ferneri, Bouchard, and Vanderlyn family, okay? That was significant. God bless you guys. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> Now, actually, actually, the, the message that we have today is going to be related to the parental dedication. So, you know, um, um, I, 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 I kind of learned this as a, as a father myself, so I'm going to pass on, hopefully, the mistakes I made so you don't make them, okay? And it's going to be very important that we're going to talk about this. But there's going to be a test coming up, too, all right? Because I'm a teacher, and I'm used to giving tests, all right? So... You don't like receiving tests, do you? Okay, all right. All right. So we're talking we are talking about moments. And we've talked about and, and there's a moment in the Bible that I think is very significant. And if you if you know your Bible at all, we're talking about the person called David, who is the second king of Israel. And there's a significant moment in the Bible where the life of David becomes dramatically changed. And that's when God told Samuel to go and anoint the next king of Israel. And he said to go to the house of Jesse and go and anoint who I tell you is the person you need to anoint. Now, what the text doesn't tell you is that Jesse had a whole bunch of kids, eight of them, all boys. (laughs) All boys. Well, yeah. How many of you just got really anxious, right, about that? You know, okay. (laughs) One by one, one by one, as Samuel was asking for the sons from the oldest down, one by one, the son would come up, and Samuel would say, this has got to be the one, this has got to be the one, this has got to be the one. And there's a, a particular passage that I want us to read right away. And here's where the test is going to come. You need to understand this passage really well. Here's the passage that we're going to look at right now. So as the, as the children are coming up, but the Lord said to Samuel, and he repeated it, but the Lord said to Samuel. I know a bit of a mistake there on my part, okay? But look at the passage, what it says, don't judge by his appearance or height for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord judges the heart. Okay? Can I have the next slide, please, Aiden? Thanks. So, seven sons come up, and God rejects every single one of them. Seven and and... And Samuel asks, are these all the sons that you have? And Jesse says, no, no, you know, they're still the youngest, number eight, okay? But he's out in the fields watching the sheep and the goats. And Samuel says, send for him at once. Samuel said, we're not going to sit down. We're not going to sit down and eat until he arrives. So Jesse sent out for him. Now, this is David that they're sending out to get, right? The father didn't even think that he was important enough to bring into the room with all these seven sons that he thought were going to be the first choice as the king of Israel and left the youngest out there to tend the sheep. Okay? So here it is, right? And as David comes in, look what the writer does. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. And all the girls went, "Woo, okay. And the Lord said, this is the one, anoint him. What's the test? What's the problem with this text? Anybody catch it? What? Did he just... <laughs> The outside appearance. What is, yeah, what is going on here? Okay? We just got told that God does not judge the outside of the person. People do that. We do that. We judge a book by its cover, right? We say, this person, you know, all this stuff. And meanwhile, as soon as David walks into the room, whoever the, you know, the writer goes, oh, he was beautiful, I love love the Bible because it's so authentic. It's so real. You know, it speaks absolutely to the heart of who we are as individuals. Here is a person getting revelation from the Spirit of God about what God judges and what God doesn't judge. And in the meantime, the person kind of misses the whole point and still tells us about how good-looking David is to judge by the heart. I think it's fascinating that right in the text we have an example of someone who's kind of missing a little bit of the point, even though this is Holy Scripture and even though it's relating something that the Spirit of God allowed. But isn't that, isn't that honestly the tendency that each and every one of us has? Even, even as a parent to our own children, don't we want them to be the picture-perfect child in every way? And it's tough for us because here's one thing that we say about ourselves and what we say about one another that is very hard for us to judge the heart of another person. And so we don't like to do that. Or as parents, we worry about how it is that we can inform the hearts of our children. You know, one of of the things that we we attempt to do, you know, um, is, with our our kids is ask them how their heart was as opposed to how their day was. Ask them in the evening when you pray for them, what is happening in your heart? What is going on? Now, that's not an easy thing to gauge. And it's not always an opportunity for them, to be honest. It's not always an opportunity to tell the truth. But the reality is, even as parents, even as adults who are relating to one another... There's a sense in which we want to know what's happening in a person's heart more than anything else. Because that's what God sees. Now, are there clues? Are there things that we can do to gauge a person's heart that gives us some kind of, uh, you know, indication of what is really happening in a person's heart? And I think as a parent... You know, and again, I, I learned this, you know, many years of pastoring people much wiser than me. And I learned this in, in many ways, the hard way. And I want to pass this on. And I think any of you that are a parent here today, if you, if you understand these three elements, these three questions that I want to I wanna ask you, it becomes a way of gauging of what's happening in another person's heart. And I think it helps you to model and to shape your life in order to help your child grow in godliness and kind of gives you indications of what really is going on. All right? So I think there's three significant questions. And for those of you that did dedications today, this, this, is, this is from me to you to kind of help you in the years ahead as you walk alongside your children and help them to grow in the Lord, because because this is what God looks at. We love to have the, you know, the, the perfect picture, as I've said before. But if there's much more going on deeper in the life of your children, in the life of the person that you love, wouldn't you like to have some indication of how you can gauge what is actually happening so you can help it, so you can, you know, you know minister to it, and, and be there for them, okay? So I think there's, here are the three significant questions that I think you can ask yourself, you can ask anybody, you can ask your children, and they model what God looks for in a person. Here are the three heart measurements. Number one is what breaks your heart? What breaks your heart? See, it's important to know what breaks your heart, because what happens, what breaks a person's heart, what breaks a child's heart, becomes the thing that motivates you. It becomes the thing that moves you. It becomes the thing that makes you want to get up and do something. And, and you know, if there's a certain injustice, if there's a, you know, a certain evil, if there's a certain thing that you think is unfair, and even, you even see that in little kids, you know? The sense of injustice, it's the sense of wanting something, the sense of feeling that it's not fair because he got and I didn't. It's a natural part of who they are. Here's here's a passage that I think, and we're looking at the life of David. Here, here it comes out in the life of David. David, remember David and Goliath? You guys heard the story of David and Goliath, right? There's there's all the soldiers are seeing this great giant, and 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 they're and they're backing off, and they're saying. You know, I'm not going near this guy. This guy's too big. Okay? Look what David does. David David asked the soldier standing nearby, what will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending this defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? It broke. It broke David's heart that this one man was standing in defiance of the entire nation and standing in defiance of God. And he wasn't going to tolerate that for a minute. And it broke his heart that that's what was happening to the nation of Israel. So much so that it motivated him. So much so that he was going to do something about it. That he was going to not allow this thing to be the closing chapter on the nation of Israel. See, you can gauge what is happening in a person's heart by what it is that breaks their heart. And you can gauge what's happening, even in a child's heart, by what it is that breaks their heart. And it'll tell you what motivates them. It'll tell you what will get them up in the morning. It'll tell you what will make a difference in their life. It'll tell you where you probably need to shape their life. You know, if you're if you know you know, as as a pastor, if people come to me and say, I can't stand the fact that we have missionaries out there and we're not supporting them. What are, what is what does it tell you about the person? What breaks their heart? You know, if somebody comes to me and say, you know, the kids' ministry is lacking. It doesn't have you know, and, and you know, what does it tell you right away that it breaks their heart? A lot of times that's where a person's gift lies is in the very thing that breaks their heart, in the very thing that motivates them, that they don't like to see. You can, you know, you can see when, it, when, you know, I love it. Um, I remember being at a grandfather day and a number of the kids kind of, I wasn't really bullying, but kind of left one of the children out. And I remember one of the other little kids going out and, and sort of looking and seeing that that was a total injustice and grabbing the other child and bringing him into the group. Now, now, I tell you, if that wasn't a clue of what broke their heart as a little child, that was significant. And you don't miss that. And you nurture that. And you have a, have a natural empathy and a natural desire. So that's the place of motivation that you can see and you can gauge and you can understand and you can do something about it and help them and talk to them about what it is that breaks their heart, even at such a young age. Here's the second thing. What breeds fear in your heart? What breeds fear in your heart? You see, this is the area of limitation, right? This is the area of limitation. Whatever breeds fear in your heart is the place where you say, stop, no, I can't. See, can't's a four-letter word. I don't care. You don't use that word. It's a bad word. Okay? But what breeds fear in your heart? Um, David, at one point in his life, took a census that God did not approve of. God said, no, no. and David went ahead and took the census. And it's a, it's, it's, it's a dark time in David's life. And David, you know, had been a king for a long time. You think at that point of his life, he would have said, you know, I'm, I'm okay. God's blessed me. God's given me everything. But he goes ahead and he takes the census because he wants to know what's his. He wants to know what he's got his hands on. He wants to know, he wants to count so he can say, oh, you know, I have all this. And the reality is, is God was not happy with David. And a plague ended up out of that decision of David's that took 70,000 people. Now, the reality is, is David could have said, you know, I have all of this. But because of a bad, fearful decision that he made, he had 70,000 less that he could count on because of that decision. And there's so many times in our lives that we make a fearful decision that causes more pain because of the limitation that it puts on us. You know, fear is is you know creates a picture in our mind. Our mind becomes the dark room where these pictures become developed, and because it's in our mind, it becomes and because it becomes fully formed in our mind it ends up becoming a form of reality. And that's what stops us from doing something, you know? I've joked I joke many times. The one, the way, you know, and this is credit to Darlene, and, and I've said this many times. The one word that we forbid our children to use was the word can't. They were not allowed to use that word. They had to reshape the sentence. They had to reshape what they were saying. And even our grandson now we're telling him he can't use that word. Yeah. But the word can't, even in a young child, immediately shuts down any opportunity of trying, any opportunity of saying, you know what? Maybe if I do something about it, and here's the other thing, if you try and fail, that's okay too. We don't give failure half as much credit as it, as it needs to have failure in many ways is the best teaching tool that we have you're not always going to succeed you're not always going to do it right you're not always going to make it perfect you're not all you know all of that kind of stuff and because we have this misunderstanding of what success really looks like that many of us don't even venture out because we have this fear of failure But the reality is the most successful people failed many times, and that's what actually brought them into success. So again, as parents, what is it that evokes fear in your child? What is it that evokes fear in you? Because a lot of times that's an indication of where your greatest limitations in your life are going to be. And the biggest regrets of life. Here's the last one. What shapes your heart? What shapes your heart? Now, we're talking about what is it that influences your heart. Because, you know, whatever your input is, becomes your output. Whatever your input is, eventually becomes your. Your output. The thing that we can do as parents, which is daunting, the responsibility many times, and especially in in the culture and the world that we live in, is so, so difficult. I, you know, I, 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 I do my best on a weekly basis just to pray for parents because it's such a daunting task nowadays it is very much a daunting task but what shapes their heart becomes the output of their life and what shapes your heart becomes the output of your life the thing i what i i, I love this passage that david writes and it's out of uh, psalm 18 and what shapes your heart ends up becoming the source of love for you okay David writes, I love you, Lord. You are my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me, and my place of safety. You see, what you love becomes the motivation that shapes your heart in your life. And if you love the Lord like David loved the Lord, his life becomes shaped by the influence of God and God's word in his life. Psalm 119 is all about David's love of God's word and uses so many different descriptors about what it is to be in God's word. And that became the influence. Was David a perfect man? No. See, life is not about being perfect. Life is not about being happy. Life is about being holy. And there's a big choice between happiness and holiness. It's not an easy choice, but there's a big difference. And to chase happiness is eventually going to make you very miserable. But to chase holiness is going to give you joy beyond measure a big difference a big difference which shapes your life i like i like i like what seth godin wrote just recently in one of his blogs he said this it turns out that the more you watch tv the more that you believe the world is dangerous imagine that it turns out that tv watchers believe that an astonishing 5% of the population works in law enforcement Okay? Okay? And it turns out that the more you watch TV, the less optimistic you become. It's part of the cultivation theory that helps us understand the enormous power that TV immersion has. Given the overwhelming power of interaction, he says, I'm confident that we'll discover that the internet exposure. Particularly linked to link bait headlines, comments, and invective will also change that people believe, what people believe about the world around them. He says Every time I see a toddler in a stroller with an internet device in their hands, he shudders. He shudders. That is the third thing that's so very important. And knowing that is the place that we can have a responsibility. That is a place where parents can have the responsibility because we know we can help to shape a person's life by our own lives and our own belief in Jesus and our own belief in the Word. And we can make a difference into that life. Deuteronomy talks about that as parents, you know, we have the responsibility to talk about God and to teach them about God in waking moments and and sleeping moments and, and going in and out of the house, that it becomes a natural rhythm in your life. And it's an easy thing to do, to build a natural rhythm of teaching them what your life of faith looks like for them. Because if there's one thing we feel helpless about is not having influence in our child's life. I've heard that from people, and it's almost unbelievable. We have an enormous opportunity to influence them in the way they go. And don't take for granted the influence that we can have on one another. You know, in the Old Testament, when a law was given, when the covenant was given, two copies were made. One copy Um, was kept in heaven, this proverbial kept in heaven, and it was God's copy. The other copy was with the community of faith, with the Israelites. And that became their copy. There was always two copies of the law and two copies of the covenant given. And it's interesting that when we get into the New Testament, some of the language changes. Um, Here is what the Apostle Paul, uh, not the Apostle Paul, the writer of Hebrews, okay, talks about the new covenant that is made with the people of God today. And God writes this, This is the new covenant I will make with my people on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts, and I will write them on their minds. It's a powerful passage, reminding us that God looks at the heart, that the things that reside in the heart is where God looks, where God cares, and where God wants to do his greatest work. There are some of you here this morning who are struggling with something in your heart that God knows about. There's something here, this, some of you here this morning, that God wants to change your heart. There's some of you here this morning that God wants to heal your heart. There's some of you here this morning that God wants to touch you in a way that you have been longing to be touched for many, many years. And no one else knows. No one else understands. No one else gets it. No one else can do it. No one else can touch it. But only God can. And that's the very place that God in your life is looking right now. And you have this beautiful facade you have this, you know, this beautiful life and you have this beautiful opportunity and you have everything going right, but just something is just not right in your heart. Something has broken your heart. Something is, you know, putting fear in your heart or there's something that's shaping your heart that you know is not good. And God wants... To fix it, that God wants to heal it, that God wants to speak into it, that God wants to touch it and make a difference in your life. And you think everything's okay because no one sees it. But God does. But God does. And the reality is, whatever your input is, is going to become your output. So why not change the input? Why not change the frequency? Why not change what's, what's coming in so that the output is something that you can say, you know, God has seen my heart, and God has touched it, and God has healed it. That's that's the beautiful thing about being a parent. I, I, I think it's one of the most beautiful experiences. Um, to watch young kids grow in the innocence and the beauty and the wonder. I'm having a blast with our grandson because the most insignificant things are are really exciting and important and we can we can go for an hour talking about one leaf on the deck at the back. Okay? You know, we've all been we've all been there and it's and it's an amazing experience and don't touch me in that hour. Okay? Cuz cuz it's so Precious and so alive and so real. And it's at at the core of his heart. This is a beautiful passage of David. It becomes a dramatic moment for him that transpires into a dramatic movement of God. David was not a perfect person, but he gave us a language of contrition. He gave us a language of faith. And God promised the covenant with him that the Messiah would come out of his lineage. That even though, you know, he was the most unexpected person in that family of eight boys, God chose him and brought him into the kingship of Israel. And from him came the Messiah. From his lineage came Jesus Christ. From his lineage came the promise and the hope that we have today as believers in jesus so that dramatic moment that we read about there becomes a dramatic movement of god that even today we get to celebrate which causes us to celebrate with families who have dedicated and continued the lineage of faith to the glory and the honor of god i think it's neat don't you i think it's awesome I think it's wonderful. For those of you that are grandparents here, God bless you. Isn't that an amazing experience to be, have the grand thing put in front of you your name? Amen. Yeah. It is amazing. And that's the, that's the blessing of God in every one of our lives. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for, the life of David and the great promises that we get to live out because of what you did through him. It was a moment, I'm sure David, when he was anointed by Samuel, he had no idea what lie ahead. But Lord, we can read in the scripture how you use David and how the nation of Israel was changed and how you bless them and how you bless us through the Messiah, through Jesus Christ, and the promise that we have to continue today until you return, Lord. So, Lord, as we commit these families to you, I thank you for these children. I thank you for the incredible good and perfect gift that can only come from you. And as we celebrate as a community of faith, We give you all the praise and all the glory. And we thank you for a life of faith, a life committed to you, where we see all things through your eyes. So, Lord, again, may you bless us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.